Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today from St. Luke. Jesus says, Strive, strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. And behold, some who are last will be first, and some who are first will be last. You know, dear friends of Christ, back in the day when Jesus walked on this earth, people would ask him a question, and, and, and many times Jesus wouldn't answer the question directly because he wanted the people to think for themselves. And you know, people don't like thinking. <laughs> they don't. Sometimes people just like to be spoon-fed the answer so that they don't have to figure it out. That's not the way Jesus was. Jesus, more often than not, would give a parable or he would make the people scratch their head. Well, I asked him a question. Why didn't he answer it? And of course, well, Jesus is challenging you to think. Right? He wants you to, he wants you to work things out. Work it through. This is important stuff. And sometimes when we ask the question and ask Jesus a question, we're asking the wrong question. And that's what happened in our text here. Someone, someone asked Jesus, Sir, are only a few people going to be saved? Now, it sounds like a good question to me. I mean, I'm, I'm curious, aren't you? I mean, how many people? How many people are going to be in eternity? Many or just a few? How many people are going to hell? How many people are going to heaven? It's a good question. I'd like to know. Is it 50-50? Is it is it 80-20? Well, that's a question I'd like to know, and I don't think it's a bad question. How many people are going to be saved? And, of course, as we look at the world around us, we have to wonder. I really wonder how many people are going to be saved as, as we look at the culture around us. How many souls are lost? Even as we look in the church, churchgoers, people that go to yeah, that are in congregations this Sunday, you know not everyone who confesses Jesus Christ will be saved. You know that, don't you? James says even the demons believe in God and they shudder because they realize they're headed for the judgment. In fact, Jesus himself said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. You know, today many churches refuse. They, they simply refuse to talk about sin. And they refused to call their people to repentance, to change, change their lives. They don't like talking about God's commandments and about how we break them because it makes people feel bad about themselves. They ignore His statutes. They ignore His precepts. They ignore His commandments. They ignore His rules. However, biblical churches, historical biblical churches, boldly preach the Word of God. They boldly preach repentance. They boldly preach change. And the biblical church calls sinners to Christ. Listen. Jesus is calling the biblical church exposes sin, and the biblical church offers and invites people to come to the saving blood of Jesus to every sinner who repents. And yet, how many of those churches still exist? Today, you know, churches kind of are like a place of entertainment. Uh, they go for fun. 
And whether it be a, a Bible study or, or you know, a youth group or, or whatever it is, we come to church and we want to have fun. Well, the sad thing is you can have fun all the way to hell, can't you? In the end, we need to know, listen, listen, Jesus is calling. And sometimes churches have gone so far to become a place of self-therapy, a place where you learn to feel better about yourself. Is that what the church is, a place where we feel good about ourselves and those around us? Is that what the church has become? Is Christianity about self-esteem, building myself up, feeling good about what I do? Or is Christianity about sin and grace and Jesus? Listen. And it makes me wonder, as churches, and we talked about this last Sunday, how many churches are failing to preach God's commandments and God's rules, to boldly preach them. It makes us wonder how many people are going to be saved. How many? It's a fair question. Now, I don't know who asked this question. And in fact, in our text, it leaves it blank. It could be a woman, it could be a man, it could be you, it could be me. But here's the catch. Why are we asking the question? Could it be that we're asking the wrong question? Could it be that we're more concerned about ourselves? And could it be the real question is, am I? Am I going to be saved? What about me? What about my soul? Or perhaps this question, which is a better question, which serves as our theme. How can we be saved? You know, we aren't told who, you know, what prompted the question. We don't know who asked the question or what prompted it. But I'm going to delve into many options. Why did this person ask the question, how many people are going to be saved? Will it be many or will it be few? Why was the question asked? Was this person uncertain about salvation? Was the person questioning Jesus? Was this person questioning Scripture? Questioning the truth of God? Or on the other hand, perhaps... Perhaps the question was prompted because of pride. Maybe this person felt very secure in salvation. You know, kind of like a self-righteous Pharisee. Hey, Jesus, I know I'm in. I got it made. I've got everything figured out. I know I'm good enough. But look at all these other people out there, these sinners, these, these tax collectors, these prostitutes, these Gentiles, the lost. You're telling me that these are the type of people who are going to get into the kingdom of heaven too? How many? How many of these skunks are getting in? That kind of self-righteous attitude could have prompted the question. But be wary of that kind of attitude, right? Because we in church are the ones who come and sit in the pew, and we're accustomed to sitting in the pew, and it's very easy for us to say, well, I was in church on Sunday. I was doing what I was supposed to be doing. I was doing the right things. But be careful. Don't treat the church as a political party that says it's a place where all the like-minded people get together and as long as, as you know, everybody else who doesn't agree with what we think is stupid because they don't see things the way we see things. No, that's not, that, that's not the church. 
the church should ask how many people are going to be saved. And it doesn't help to say, well, I'm, I'm sure a whole lot better than all the other lost sinners. I thank God that I at least came to church while everybody else chose to stay home. Watch out for that attitude. How many are going to hell? How many are going to heaven? Why is the question asked? Well, maybe it was a spirit of concern. Maybe the person asked a question, and, and I mean, could I, I can bet that as Jesus was walking through, he was surrounded by all those people, and that many people that were surrounding Jesus weren't saved. They weren't saved. Maybe the person knew that. The crowd was fascinated with Jesus. They were, fa- they were fascinated by his ability to work miracles. They were fascinated by the authority in which he spoke. But they weren't ready to confess him as Lord and Savior from their sin. They weren't ready to confess their sin. But again, is that a concern for us that people aren't ready to confess sin? That people aren't ready to confess Jesus? It should be a concern for us. There are lost people out there. Listen. Listen, Jesus is calling. Should we be concerned? Of course we should. First to our own calling but then to the calling of others. The Bible said we should. Of course it's our job. It's our job to be talking to our friends who are walking in darkness. It's our job to be talking to family. How many are going to be saved? Is it many or is it few? Of course we should care. And yet, the sin of the church is quite evident today. We don't care. We're apathetic about all that. You know, we can talk, we can give it good lip service and say, oh, the church needs to be out evangelizing, and then yet, who of us goes out and talks to a single soul? Who of us goes out, you know, sure, we're glad we're saved by grace, I'm glad to be baptized, I'm glad to be a child of God, I'm glad I'm going to be part of the kingdom, that's good. But for those who are eternally cast out, for those who are in walking in darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, for those separated from God, how much concern should we have for them? There's a story about a little church, and beautiful little church, filled with nice people, every Sunday busy, activities, doing fun stuff, social projects, a place where the gospel's preached, a place where the people can love and care for each other. But in the back of the church is a little box, a little wooden box, And on the lid of the box were engraved the words in big, bold letters, mission offerings, but the lid of the box was filled with dust and cobwebs. That mission box spoke volumes about the church. They'd become complacent. They'd become comfortable. How many people are being saved? Few or many? They didn't care. Why is that question asked anyway? Maybe the question was asked because it's framed with self-doubt. Maybe the person wasn't sure whether they'd be involved or not. Do I have a chance to inherit, inherit eternal life? Do I have enough faith to get to heaven? And maybe that's your question. Maybe that's how you frame it. How many are going to be saved? Is it I? 
Do I measure up? In the end, we simply don't know why the question was asked, but we do know the answer. The answer Jesus gives leaves no room for complacency. He says, strive. That, that, that Greek word, it, it literally means to struggle, to try hard. There's great effort involved. Try hard to enter the narrow, the narrow door. Struggle to enter through the narrow door, Jesus said. I can guarantee that many will try to enter, but they will not be able to succeed. And you hear the urgency in those words, right? Many are trying, but they're not making it. You can hear that, right? There's only one door. You hear that, right? It's a narrow door. That's the problem. It's not just a door you open. It's a narrow door. It's not easy to get through. It's a struggle. You have to try hard to believe these words. And you understand that, don't you? There's only one truth that can set you free. There's only one way, and it's through the narrow door. And that narrow door is Jesus. Jesus who said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's an exclusive way. Salvation is found only through a small cross-shaped opening. And you have to squeeze that cross to get into heaven. Sinners can't get through this narrow door bearing the load of sin. It's too great. It's too large. Can't get to heaven without going through the cross. Every other way of salvation is like trying to walk through a brick wall. It's impenetrable. You can't get through. Sinners can't get to Jesus through a brick wall. Because getting to Jesus requires religious perfection. Getting to Jesus requires that you break None of the commandments, ever. Getting to Jesus without Jesus means you have to be perfect in every way all the time. Eternally perfect. One flaw is eternally fatal. Jesus said you must be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And without being perfectly perfect, without being holy, without keeping every commandment, in thought, word, and deed, fail at one point, and you fail at all, fail at one point, it's eternally fatal. Weeping, gnashing of teeth, eternal darkness. You can't enter heaven with sin. Not even one. So how many people are going to be saved? Or maybe the better question is, how can we be saved? And you know the answer to that one. How can we be saved? The narrow door. We're saved through the narrow door. We enter heaven through His perfect life, through His perfect death. Jesus is the one who kept the rules for us. He's the one who kept the commandments in our place. And then He's the one who suffered and died. He was crucified and rose again in our place. He was punished for our sins. That we might be saved by His blood. And He sets us free from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. It's all biblical language, right? Straight out of the Bible. Salvation is only through the narrow door. Jesus' death and resurrection is the only path. There's no other way. And the door is narrow. Indeed. 
the cross-shaped door. And yet that cross-shaped door is powerful enough to open up for any sinner to pass through. Any sinner who is covered by the blood. It opens for all who believe and lets them in. All who confess that Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, that cross-shaped door opens up. That narrow way opens up and lets us through. Sinners are saved through Jesus. Listen. How many will be there? Many or few? Well, know this, you're there. You need to know that. Believe in Him, trust in Him, follow in His way. Understand His commandments for you. The Bible is clear. Jesus is the solution. Jesus is our Savior. And of that, as believers, we can be absolutely certain. And maybe you're not absolutely certain, but Scripture says, if you confess Jesus with your mouth and you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. It's a certainty. Jesus has destroyed the law, the curse of the law for you. That's what He does. That's why He came. He freed you from the law. He freed you from the condemnation. You're set free. Paul writes, There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. And then Paul also writes, The law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there's no transgression. That's why it depends on faith. So Jesus wants you to be confident. Confident in your salvation. How can sinners be saved? Jesus. Is Jesus your Savior? Yes. Then rejoice, as the writer of Hebrews says. Rejoice that your name, and as Luke says, as Jesus says, rejoice that your name is written in heaven. And live joyfully. And share that with others, that confidence that nothing can snatch you out of those nail-scarred hands. Amen. And now with the peace of God that passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus and to life everlasting.